You're listening to the Sanctuary Church Q&A podcast, where lead pastor John Alexander answers questions submitted from members of our live studio audience. For more information about Sanctuary Church, visit us online at sCOrlando.com. Pastor, this is a, on a little more serious note. Um, what does once saved, always saved mean? And is there any way to lose your salvation? <laughs> well, I'm just surprised that didn't come out first, you know, but... Uh, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be, but yeah, you're right. So uh, let's just do a poll. How many started out in, in your belief that it was, or you were taught at some point, um, once saved, always saved, meaning once you get saved, there is what is called eternal security. Whatever you do, ultimately, you're going to stay saved. Okay, so let me just see your hands. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and, and how many were kind of on the other side that, and there's a terminology, I hate it, but I use it, called backsliding, that you can, you can know Christ and yet turn away. How many are more on that side of what you, okay, yeah. The funny thing, I was both. I, I was in a particular church and they taught one way and then I began to read the Bible and learned a different particular way. So let me give you, first of all, what I believe, and then we'll give some scriptural context of, of what, why I believe what I believe. Um, I believe in once saved, always saved, as long as you want to be saved. If you don't want to be saved, you, you don't have to. Free will got you saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. You were drawn by the Spirit. Nobody comes to, to the Son by Himself. The Spirit draws them, and nobody comes to the Father without the Son. So the process is the Spirit drew you, you accepted the Son, Jesus Christ. Now you have a relationship with God. You call Him Abba, Father, and, and you can boldly come before the throne of grace, right? Hebrews 4.16. So we, we understand that. So free will got you there. Free will is still the determination of your life. God doesn't force nor make anybody to stay with Him. Now, I will say this. Again, let me just speak a little bit on that. And that is that it's not a matter of a person saved today, lost tomorrow. God, the Bible said in Romans the 8th chapter that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Just because somebody turns away or somebody's doing something doesn't mean that God ever comes to a place that He looks at them and says, you know, I've given up on them. There's one place in the Bible that you kind of read that and it really deals in Romans the first chapter and you really deal more with honestly the sin, the deep-seated sin of homosexuality when there's a complete unrepented nature in that, that their conscience is seared, the Bible refers to, with a hot iron, okay? So that, that gives us reference. But outside of that, there's nothing that separates us from the love of God. But the life of God in us, we can make certain determinations on, on where we go and, and how we ultimately live our life and what's happening. Now, uh, in that, let me give you a few scriptures. And actually, I had some things. I anticipated uh, this, this here. If a scripture, if a, a doctrine or, or, or a belief works here, whatever here is and whatever that is, okay, then it has to work to the extreme, the nth degree over here. I'll give you the best example I have on that. The prosperity gospel message that dominated much of the charismatic and some Pentecostal, Pentecostal movement for the better part of the late 70s, 80s, 90s, and still is still there in, in many parts. When I first really got saved and began to look at that, I thought, that is, that is just, I'll give you my word, that's just retarded in every way. And the reason I looked at it that way is because the first thing I did is, God's no respecter of persons. 
That's an American gospel message that doesn't work in Africa. It doesn't work in Indonesia. It doesn't work in Ethiopia. You know, that message is a message for charlatans. It is a message for 2 Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2.17. Paul says, we are not they who cheapen or merchandise the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's either 1 or 2 Corinthians, but it's 2 and 17. He said, we don't merchandise the gospel. Well, that's what that whole prosperity message can be. Even though God takes, Psalms 35, 27, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, we're his servants. But prosperity biblically is different than prosperity in that message. So if it, if it works here, it has to work here. When it doesn't work to the nth degree over here, and it doesn't work under the pressure here, then it doesn't work, right? The same thing with, with different ways that people approach healing. I have had, had uh, debates with people that say, everybody should be healed. And I said, well, that is stupid. How's anybody ever gonna die? That means Hebrews 9.27 is null and void. It's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that is the judgment. If it's appointed to die, I mean, you're going to die. You ain't getting around that. I mean, 2 Kings 13, one of the greatest prophets recorded in biblical history is Elisha. And he healed, and I mean, when he was dead, there was a, a man that his, was dead thrown into his tomb, and he jumps out of there. What the what? <laughs> Alive. Because of the power and the anointing on this guy, right? The Bible said in the 13th chapter, and Elisha, it's just like nothing. Elisha became sick and his sickness was unto death and he died. He got sick and he died. So when you look at it and you realize scripturally, they say, well, everybody should be healed, but it doesn't happen. Oh, way over here, you know, my dad died of cancer at 60. You can tell me anything you want. I prayed. I believed. My dad died. He had brain cancer. He had heart or he had liver cancer. He had lung cancer. He had colon cancer. He had everything you could just about have. And every day they'd come in and say, "You got more of this," and I'm like, "Well, man, this is not looking good." This, <laughs> and he died. He died. My dad in my arms. I, I'm holding his head. He took his last breath, and I said goodbye and prayed over him, and that was it. So. If it didn't work for my dad, then it doesn't necessarily work in the way we want it to work, right? Is there healing in the atoning blood? Yeah, absolutely. I've been healed. I can count at least eight times supernaturally that God has healed my body. I can also tell you surgeries where God didn't heal that way and he healed through the surgery. So, so we understand that, right? So if it works here, it has to work here for it to work here. So now let's go back to once saved, always saved. So I say, well, um, if it works, then it has to work under the scrutiny of Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Somebody turn there. It's Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. You're not turning there fast enough, so I'm going to have to do it myself. You know? So listen to this, okay? Now, this is the extreme. This is, do you understand what to apostatize is, apostate? That means to have known God, right? To know God is to have an experience with Jesus Christ to know God. And then to not just fall away, but turn away. Absolutely, you know, remember free will? Know God for me. I don't, I don't want God in my life kind of statement. So here, here's what the writer says. In verse 4, 4, 
it is impossible, it's King James, so, for it is uh, impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good Word of God and the powers of the world to come. Now, let me just ask you, I don't, I'm just, I don't mean to lead this question, who's he talking about? Tasted of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the, the world to come, the heaven? Is he talking about believers? Absolutely. You know, now, now I have to, when I, when I read and study, I don't read one side. I read the other side. I want to know what others have to say about this because it doesn't mean that they're ignorant. It's just they're wrong. And in that, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but in that, I want to know what they say because I'm always looking to be enlightened, and so you should be as well. So in that, um, part of what they say is, well, they were never saved. No, they, they're saved. They've tasted of all the goodness of, of God. Sounds like a really great person. Then verse 6 blows us up. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So this speaks of an apostate place. Now, uh, if you're following here over in uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, just another scripture that goes along kind of with that, and I'll, I'll just, just kind of put it by itself. Uh, Hebrews 10, 26, he said, uh, for if, this is, this is the if-then contingencies of God's Word. You know, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. Uh, here he says in verse 26, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for the sins. So when you, when you look at Scripture and, and you look at contextual aspects, you look at the churches of Asia in the book of Revelations in five of the seven, you see that there is this, this constant uh, awareness that, um, that, 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 that is being brought forth to these, to these churches. You know, kind of we most remember the church uh, uh, of Ephesus in the second chapter in the beginning there. And so, you know, he said, man... I, I'm so proud of you. you you're, you've got good works. You know, you hate evil. You, you are, to me, A-plus church. But um, there's nothing worse than God putting the butt on there, right? But I have a problem with you. You've lost your first love. You're doing the right things, but that is not the right relationship with me. That is the after side of a right. I, I want you more than what you do. Moses, I just want you alone for the next 40 years. And then whatever you're gonna do for me, we'll work that out. I just want you, Moses. Does that make sense? I just wanna get you. I, Elijah, you're tired. Listen, I don't need you to do anything. Let me just take you over in the cave. Let me just fill you with a freshness in your life. So he says, you've left your first love. Unless you repent, he goes through five of those churches repent and do your first works over again. What are your first works? Coming back in love with Jesus Christ, right? That is the, that is the initial. You didn't, you didn't get in, uh, saved because you read God's word. That didn't make you saved. It led you to salvation to accept Christ, but it's Jesus Christ. So you, there's this constant awareness of repentance that we're brought to and that we come to. And so out of that, you read in 2 Peter 2, 20, 22, um, where he talks about after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through Christ, if they return again, they're like the dog. 
Remember this? It's a proverbial statement that's returned to its vomit. It's like the, 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 the sow or the uh, pig, you know, hog, whatever it would be, uh, that, that has been cleaned and then went back to its waller and said, you've returned. You've pulled away from me. When you read things like in Matthew, the seventh chapter, and in the 13th and 14th verse, and he said, you know, that, that straight is the way and narrow is the gate and few be that go therein. Then he goes on in verse 21 and he, and he talks about that there'll be those in that last days that said, Lord, didn't we know you? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we heal this? Didn't we do all this in your name? Who's doing that in, in his name? Christians, right? The church. These are believers. And he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Something changed in their life. I didn't know you. So he's saying, well, wait a minute. They once walked in righteousness, but in their walk, they ultimately walked away from righteousness. Now, this thing of backsliding is not like just one day. It is a gradual declination. You know, the Bible tells us in uh, 1 John 3, 8 and following, he said, for this purpose was the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, manifested that he would destroy or render ineffective the works of Satan. Then he goes on and he talks about that we that are saved do not commit sin. Now, that word commit is in a redundant verb that does not mean you never sin. How many here has never sinned? <laughs> John writes in 1 John 2 and 1, he said, little children, I write unto you that you sin not. Well, I'm glad he didn't leave it there because there's a whole bunch of us that would be excluded and precluded. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father to pr the propitiation of Jesus Christ, which is the, uh, the New Testament word for atonement. It is the covering of Jesus Christ. The blood will cleanse you. You know, in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unright. There's a whole lot of beautiful, beautiful terminology that is, that is right there as well. So then we go back into... Uh, 1 John 3 and, and uh, 8, 9, 10, and he says, does not sin, does not continue to commit sin, does not stay in that sin. So let's just say it's John Alexander. Uh, some things start happening in my life. Let me ask everyone in this place, have you ever been in a place in your Christian walk to where you were, you were a little bit less passionate? You, 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 you didn't have, for, for whether it was a day, a week, a month, even a year, that, that you were a season that it wasn't as fresh in your life, you allowed it. Can most okay so so the problem is when that starts where does it end so if that keeps moving then it moves into a place of sin now the Holy Spirit is banging on us God is bringing people along because you know what the next thing is now because they don't want to hear the, the word the anointing of what the pastor's saying I mean I don't know who's going through what but the Holy Spirit's leading us right and so they start getting out of church. They start getting away from, all of a sudden, they start getting away from other believers. Why? Because the conviction that the Holy Spirit is not giving up. The Bible said, uh, Jesus said in, in uh, John the uh, 14, 15, 16 chapter, that when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to lead us into all truth. He's going to bring conviction in our life, right? So He begins to convict. It, it, here's what happens. At the point we begin to fully and continually reject the convicting presence and purpose and power of God. Do I know where that cut off? I don't, and I don't want to know. I, I don't, but you can pretty much tell when a person is fully um, moved away 
from, from the things of God uh, in, in their life. Now, if you look throughout the New Testament, particularly, I mean, you can go into Ezekiel 18, 20, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Just because we got saved doesn't mean all of a sudden we have a right to sin. Paul said, should I sin because of grace? God forbid, right? I don't have a right to sin. When you read in the preponderance of scriptures throughout the Bible, but especially the New Testament, flee fornication, turn from evil, forgive one. All of these scriptures, I, I jotted down just, just a, a, a few that would be, you know, just go along with these things where the Bible tells us to uh, abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul and give your give no place you know to the enemy in your life constantly the Bible in the New Testament uh, particularly the epistles are, are teaching us to live a particular life if it didn't matter why would he teach us to live that life amen so I hope I've given without going too far uh, enough communication of the word to understand it's not something we want to think about, but it's something we need to be aware about because it's never this. It's this gradual declination. And, and I tell people all the time, every day there should be a litmus indicator of the Holy Spirit in your life of where you're at. Every day, if you are on the job, if you are driving down the 408 and you have a short temper or you say something you shouldn't, you should immediately, you shouldn't feel guilty there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You shouldn't feel guilty. You should feel a moment of clarity and thank God and say, God, thank you for conviction that I'm sorry for this. Not just I feel bad, I'm sorry. Recognize it as sin, speak it, get it done, get it under the blood and then say, Lord, help me to be nice to these no good drivers on the 408. <laughs> can, can I get a real amen? But, but is that not the truth? Can every single person, and this is important, can you say within your own life, there are little litmus, spiritual litmus indicators that help you to be aware. You know, I've told, I used to tell my daughter, I know when you're not praying, she says, the Lord show you? I said, no, you do. <laughs> I, do I can't, I mean, and I can tell you right now, she's been praying a lot, you can just tell. But when she's not, I tell her, I said, baby, you're one of those, you can't hide it. Some of them are real good hypocrites. You can't do it, baby. <laughs> I said, and that's a good thing. You never want to be a good hypocrite. So, but, but let the Holy Spirit, my words would be pray constantly, not from a fearful place, but from a place of faith that says, God ever be in my life to bring awareness. I pray every day, Lord, please keep the pressure, keep, keep your place, your hand of conviction in my life. Never let me be me. Amen. Help me to always be Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. Amen.